0: Welcome back to the Ramble Room and welcome back to the Ramble Room, my friend Mark Jones from the Gun Owners of America. See, over the last few years, I have learned to say that properly, I
1: hope. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you don't refer to us by other names or yeah. uh, acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard because
0: for so long I was familiar with and another organization but anyway it's it's great to have you here um most of my listeners are probably fairly familiar with you but we have been picking up some new listeners of late so mark why don't you just take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself how you came to be in wyoming um i understand that you're a biologist of some sort so Mm -hmm. give us a little rundown please
1: oh i can it's great to be back with you again um yeah i'm um I'm a national director with Gun Owners of America. <clears throat> I live in Johnson County, Wyoming. Hey, I'm a retired wildlife biologist. I'm still a certified wildlife biologist, but you know, I worked a whole career, government service, but passionate about, about Second Amendment rights and, in fact, uh, all the Bill of Rights, protecting our American traditions. And so I had an opportunity to come to work for GOA and serve as a national director. And, you know, I feel like Wyoming is one of the last best places we've got to work really hard to uh, keep Wyoming, Wyoming, protect the the rights we've got and the liberties and freedoms. And, uh, you know, I guess as we'll talk about tonight, everything is under attack right now in this country by the left and, you know, our very, (coughs) excuse me, our very way of life really is under attack.
0: You, you just mentioned tonight that we talked about tonight, um, we just came from Lake DeSmith, mm-hmm. and there's a little venue down there where we had a little bit of a rally. Uh, let us know what that was and, and what that was like for you.
1: Well, yeah, it was a great event. It was a town hall sponsored by the Republican Women's Freedom of Alliance there in Johnson County. And they brought in speakers from the Wyoming legislature, the con- mostly conservatives, uh, members of the Freedom Caucus and other conservative legislators were there, and Gun Owners of America helped sponsor that event. Uh, you know, I was there and had a chance to speak, and we had a good turnout of local people from Johnson County talking about all kinds of issues. We talked about rights, we talked about um, property taxes, we talked about transgender athletes in women's sports which by the way maybe you weren't
0: aware of this but i just saw a statistic the other day that said that testicular injuries in women's sports had exponentially grown the last couple of years i don't remember the exact percentage but that there's a crisis that we need to
1: address (laughs) yeah there's a crisis (laughs) who would have thought my grandfather rolling over in his grave you know common sense man raised on the farm with bulls and cows and Right. Roosters and hens, I don't think he would understand some of the stuff we talk about these days.
0: Now, we were talking earlier, just before we started the recording, about Congress, specifically the U.S. Congress. And I think it's also true here in the state. But we have three branches of government. Mm -hmm. And those of us that actually went to school when they taught those things remember that. Mm -hmm. But the one that has completely emasculated itself— on both the federal and the state level, in my view, is the legislature, Mm -hmm. the Congress. Mm -hmm. We are allowing the judiciary to write from the bench. Mm -hmm. We're allowing the executive to pass executive orders one after the other. That's right in your bailiwick. That's right what you deal with is Mm -hmm. executive orders specifically concerning the Second Amendment. Give us some idea of what you've seen over the last... Six months to two years. Yeah, great. Coming, coming out of Biden.
1: Yeah, that's a great, great kind of opening can. You know, and as you said, you and I are old enough to have been taught real history and government. Our country was founded on this, this three branches of government: a judicial branch, an executive branch, a legislative branch. And we have gotten so far out of kilter in this country. The legislative branch at, at the federal level, and, and many times at the state levels as well, has let itself be relegated. To, to really nothing more than a, than a budget passer, and they don't really pass budgets. They just increase spending. While the executive, uh, federal and governors in many cases, have just taken on so much authority, pass executive orders where they try to legislate through executive order. And then ju- the judicial branch will step in and, and rewrite, you know, actual good legislation and, and uh, do what we call legislating from the bench. And I, I believe it's a constitutional crisis at the federal level. And I think it goes on at the state level in most states. And you've seen it really accelerated during uh, the Obama years with B- Obama's executive orders. Uh, frankly, to be honest, Trump Trump did some things he shouldn't have done. Sure. But, but but And then Biden has taken it to a whole other level, really has taken it to a whole other so, level.
0: Do you do you think it's actually Biden or the puppet masters? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's the joke in Washington. Who really runs the American government? Most people can watch a press can watch a Biden speech, and understand that he probably is not coming up with these ideas on his own. Well, he's reading whatever's put in front of him, and and that is the question: Who does run the American government? Well, it's it's pretty frightening. It's
0: supposed to be we the people, mm-hmm. but. You know, people have asked me many times, what's the greatest threat to America? What's the greatest threat to Wyoming? And my pat answer is voter apathy. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes a little bit beyond that as well. There's this false sense of security. It's kind of like, you know, we hear all the time about, quote, unquote, mass shootings. Mm-hmm. And you hear interviews anytime one happens— and people always say, you know, I hear about these things, but all of a sudden it happened in my place. And, and especially in Wyoming, I think, we feel kind of insular in that all these things are going on with the rest of the world, but it, it's really not happening here. And we're the proverbial ostrich when our, with our head in the sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that when I actually really started watching the state legislature, I was appalled. Uh, you call it purple, and I call it blue. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing how out of sync and out of touch it is with the Wyoming people. But now I've gone down a, a rabbit trail and carried us where I'm not ready to go yet. Let's go back to the Biden administration. My original question, what have you seen happen over the last six months, two years? What kinds of executive orders are coming down, and what are we doing to stop them?
1: Yeah, so Biden is kind of been the king of executive orders, no pun intended. Uh, he's tried to do through executive action what he can't do through Congress. Um, he banned, he tried to ban 40 million pistol braces, just unilaterally. Uh, few, you know, over the last few months, that that was a device that was primarily designed for uh, veterans and handicapped folks. People, a lot of disabled vets come back from the Middle East used that device. Uh, the ATF wrote everybody letters in 2012, told them they were legal. Yeah, and then, I, I kept mine. Did when you I have my, one?
0: Yeah, when I bought my pistol brace, I kept that. It's in the safe here.
1: Yeah. And then along about 2022, last year, you know, he decided to unilater- unilaterally ban those, immediately turning all these people into felons. We fought that, you know, uh, vigorously, um, fought it through the court systems. And I guess, uh, we have uh, temporary relief, right. For, yeah. for the time being yep. through the court systems, we don't always reach, <laughs> we don't always get there. Right. Sometimes these court battles go on for yep. years and years until there's a new president, but he doesn't stop with things like that. Ken, you, you, you and I've talked about this, I know before, but back in the summer, or actually probably late spring, he decided to uh, misinterpret language in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act.
0: I like how you say that. He decided to misinterpret. Yeah, I'm sure it was intentional. Yeah.
1: There, uh, to, 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 he decided to misinterpret language in, in the 2022 Bipartisan Safer Communities Act and use that language to ban hunter safety, archery, and shooting sports in America's schools. And for those of you that don't really know, you know, America many of America's schools have had shooting programs since 1965 and the language in there that allowed him to do that was actually meant to keep schools from using certain funding to train resource officers uh, because that they are funded from another pot of money And and it basically said we can't train people to use dangerous weapons so he he turned to, mis, he, he decided to misinterpret that language to ban these programs in schools. So immediately shut them off. Uh, and we, we fought that, and it was kind of interesting. The bipartisan Safers Communities Act, which he used as the excuse, was bad legislation. It was passed before the election last year when Pelosi controlled the House. Schumer controlled the Senate, and it, it, it had some gun control in it that, sh- that should have never passed. wasn't terrible. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. But um, anyway, the backlash to his shutting down these school programs was so big and so huge across the country, and we helped make that happen, that even some of the rhino Republicans and Democrats who voted for the Bipartisan Safer Community Act, which was his opening to do this— even they voted to pass another piece of legislation to force him to reinstate the school programs. So every now and then the good guys win one. Ken. It's rare these days, but every now and then the good guys win one. Well, your glass is always half full. I try to be an <laughs> optimist. I I made that joke tonight at at the event there at Lake Desmond. and I had a friend sitting in the audience who's a good friend, a good conservative, um, very very. Very dis, dis, disheartened with what's going on in the country, and we get in conversations, and he's, he's the pessimist, and I try to be the optimist and, and say there's hope. Well, thanks for not calling me out by name. <laughs> 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 so
0: what else, what else have we seen? I understand uh, now all of a sudden all these animals are going to die because of lead ammunition.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So Biden administration is trying to ban lead ammunition— And it's important to point out, this is the third major attempt by Democrats to ban lead ammunition in the last 10 or 11 years. And the Center for Biological Diversity, which is a far-left environmental group, tried to get the EPA to ban it throughout the country during the Obama administration. At a federal court in, of all places, Washington, D.C., which we don't usually get good decisions from.
0: But there are a lot of gun owners there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. The federal court struck that down, saying you don't have the authority to ban lead ammunition under the EPA. And so the left learned its lesson, and they came back right before Obama left office, and they tried to ban lead lead ammunition on all federal lands managed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Yeah,
0: now just pause for a second. Think about Wyoming. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what percentage of Wyoming is federal lands, mm-hmm. but
1: it's half. 48% of the surface yeah. acres. And yeah. they control 66% of the yeah. subsurface acres. So
0: BLM, Forest Service, mm-hmm. look at your favorite elk hunting areas. Look mm-hmm. at your favorite deer hunting areas. Chances are federal lands are involved. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to use lead ammunition mm-hmm. if this were
1: allowed mm-hmm. to go. Exactly, Ken. Great point. And... The um, the thing that people need to understand, we're not talking about the waterfowl hunting ban. That, that's that been in place since 1991, and no one is disputing that or trying to change that. We're talking about a ban on all lead ammunition, not just for hunting, but for target shooting, and on terrestrial lands, and there's no evidence this, land, this lead is causing problems, okay? It's going into the dirt in most cases.
0: Now, you're... Especially when I'm the one shooting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's another thing.
0: You're a wildlife biologist. Uh And and part of the complaint is that raptors Mm -hmm. come in and clean up a carcass where a game animal was taken with lead and that they subsequently die of lead poisoning. I find that a stretch of
1: credibility. Mm-hmm. Is is
0: is there any evidence, any actual research that shows that this has been a problem?
1: There there's very little that would lead one to 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 the conclusion that there are population level impacts. Right. Obviously there are probably individual animals occasionally that will find a lead fragment in a carcass.
0: Yeah.
1: But there the evidence doesn't really show population level impacts on the widespread population. And to give you the the best example is the California Condor. Which is a bird of uh, a scavenger, largest scavenger in our country, found in California and Arizona, maybe Southern Nevada,
0: Washington, D.C.
1: Oh, well, yeah, sorry. that's a different kind of scavenger. Yeah, that's a buzzard. Yeah. But, but yeah, the condor, uh, California banned led ammunition for big game in the range of the condor about 10, 10, 11 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And they did extensive studies in the years following the, the, the ban. And, and according to California Fishing Games' own data, they had a 99% compliance rate with their ban. So almost everybody complied. And actually lead levels in the condors stayed the same or went up over the 10 years after the ban. So what that tells us is that people were not, or condors were not getting lead from deer that were shot with lead bullets. They were getting lead from other places. And, and there's a lot of evidence, maybe fire towers, because uh, we know they would get on the fire towers and eat the lead paint. Hmm. Uh, and there's also a lot of lead in the environment from other sources. And there, there, there are a lot of man-made lead sources like uh, sinkers, bolts, paint. Um, and then there are natural sources of lead. But it was pretty clear from that that study, and it was intensively studied, that the condors— lead levels were not being impacted by big game bullets. Okay. So again, I'm not saying an individual animal doesn't get poisoned, but population level impacts. There's, there's, there's not really evidence that that's happening.
0: It's interesting. Now, this is, this is another question kind of unrelated to what we've been talking about, but I've been living in Wyoming virtually my entire life. I spent some time away as a soldier. Mm -hmm. When I was young, for example, in where I grew up in Shell. You could leave the back of our house and we'd go ride horseback all weekend long and never be out of sight of mule deer. Mm-hmm. I've been back there several times in the years past and there's not even a track. Mm-hmm. Game and Fish still tries to sell license for that area any deer. Mm-hmm. What's happening to the mule deer in Wyoming? Any thoughts, any, any information?
1: You know what? I kind of put you on the spot. You put me on the spot, yeah, and I've read a lot about the mule deer decline. Mule deer are declining through many areas of the West, and there has been, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that biologists and mule deer experts fully understand it. There have been a lot of studies started. Um, there, there's a lot of different theories out there. there there's probably hybridization with whitetails, which are much more aggressive and have expanded in the West over the last 50 years. There's maybe degradation of mountain mahogany and other shrubs they like to browse upon. CWD could be a factor, chronic wasting disease. There's a lot of theories out there, but I don't really think anybody knows, because the, the the decline of the mule deer is a Western phenomenon, not just in Wyoming.
0: And it's very striking.
1: It is striking, and you're you know you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of studies going on. Maybe they'll figure it out, um, and you know I hope they do. It's a kind of an yeah. iconic Western big game animal. It is, and
0: you know I'm I'm a hunter and a sportsman, not nearly as avid as I would like, especially since I took on this legislative task. <laughs> but I've I've taken several good muleys. Mm-hmm. And I always find more I think that's the most fun of all the big game to hunt. Mm-hmm. To me, if you know, if you want to bull elk, you got to have his time. Mm-hmm. Once you figure out where they're at, you're going to get your you're going to get your animal. Mm-hmm. Um whitetails growing up, whitetails were pretty much insignificant around here, but around the Sheridan area now they're they're so blasted thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a problem, but I have this particular love affair with mule deer, mm-hmm. and th- the fact that they had they have been, been devastated, and this last winter was particularly punishing on them, and it's it's kind of a scary thing to just see what's happening. So I just I wanted to see if you had any insight from from that. So thanks mm-hmm. for those comments. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to executive orders mm-hmm. what have we missed what have we not covered that's come down the pike do you do you ever get a hint about what might be coming next i mean obviously uh semi-automatics they want to they want to ban anything that's a semi-automatic
1: yeah you know biden is trying now to institute institute universal background checks And there was language in that Bipartisan Safer's Communities Act, that legislation I mentioned earlier, which passed in 2022 when Pelosi still, the Democrats still controlled the House. Uh, And there were some rhino Republicans that voted for it on the Senate side. There was some language in there that allows Biden to go after universal background checks, which is really a way of registering every gun transaction in America. And... What should be scary about that to people is that Biden's already keeping an illegal gun registry. Uh, an estimated 1 billion gun sales records are, in, are, are being kept by that administration. That's illegal. Congress made that illegal. But Biden is doing it anyway. And um, these universal background checks, what would happen, let's say you wanted to sell me a firearm. You would have to go through a federal firearms dealer and and record the transaction. And the, the tradition in American history has been private firearm sales were not tracked by the government. They were, as long as they were between law-abiding people and you didn't have any reason to think I was a felon, you could sell me a firearm. And that's been that way since the beginning or, of our country. Or hand it down to a grandchild. Or, or hand somebody. it down to a grandchild or whatever. And Biden's trying to stop that. And it's, 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 at the, it's going to get to the point, and it's actually very confusing right now. This is in, in a state of flux right now about what you can and can't do uh, without getting in trouble with the federal government. Um, I honestly don't know if I would, like if I had a gun I wanted to sell, I don't know if I would sell it to you right now or not, Ken, because mm-hmm. I'm afraid that, that I might, they might try to make an example of me under this new interpretation of the law and, and we're fighting that. We're fighting that in Congress. We're fighting that, in, if necessary, in courts uh, and other groups are as well. So it's kind of an evolving situation where Biden's trying to register every firearms transaction in America.
0: One of the problems that I have with laws like that is they're unenforceable. Right. It's, it's the same argument, essentially, as when you outlaw guns, only outlaws will have guns. The people that don't care about the law are going to do what they're going to do. Exactly. When you have all kinds of laws out there that that are, frankly, unenforceable, you devalue law. Yep. It, it's actually, a, I've referred to it as a form of inflation. Mm-hmm. If, if they make a law that says I can't sell a weapon to my neighbor, how the hell are they going to know if I do or don't?
1: yeah you're right it cheap it cheapens the law yeah it also though can make a criminal out of a law-abiding person exactly there will be a person who will be made an example of by the federal government maybe a person like you or me middle-aged you know man that's never broke a law in their life decides to sell a gun and and to to a friend or a neighbor or whatever and the wrong you know they decide to make an example of you. That's that's what will happen most likely. Yeah. And and it's a travesty because, again, we've been selling firearms privately in this country for since the beginning of our country. And as long as you don't have a reason to know that someone's a felon, you can do that. Now, you cannot intentionally sell a firearm to a felon, a prohibited person, but, but that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, decent, we're talking about law-abiding people transacting yeah, and selling yeah, firearms.
0: A decent law-abiding citizen would not turn right. around and enable somebody who's going to go out and shoot something up yeah talk a little bit about the one thing that really does need to be banned and that's gun-free zones
1: (laughs) yes oh my goodness you know and that that's so so true gun-free zones are zones for criminals and mad crazy people to to use to harm law-abiding people and we've seen that with the mass shootings in the country we've seen that with school shootings uh, we've seen that with theater shootings. They're almost always in a gun-free zone where people are defenseless. And, you know, the stats prove that. There's there's, there's researchers like John Lott, Dr. John Lott, who've researched this, that, that you know, gun-free zones just disarm law-abiding people and create a, a place where people can be killed. And and there will be legislation in the, in the upcoming session, and you will, obviously, as a legislator, be involved in... In this uh, in this session, uh, this legislation would repeal some of Wyoming's remaining gun-free zones. Wyoming does not have as many gun-free zones as some states, but it has too many. Yeah. Um, Including of, the House. And I was getting ready to the say, capital. the people's house, <laughs> yes. the people's capital is a gun-free zone. And it's interesting that I think you can carry in Helena, Montana. I think you can carry in Pierre, South Dakota. Um, you can carry in Wyoming if you're... Got enough guts and sneaky, and <laughs> yeah, but you can do it. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can do it without fear of government retribution in neighboring states. Correct,
0: but in Cheyenne, you can't. Yeah,
1: only the criminals. And this
0: is the gun totemist state in the union. It's the
1: state that touts itself as the number one. Yeah, you know, state for firearms rights in America. Well, it's not really number one, but um, it touts itself as such. But it won't. They don't trust people. The people in Cheyenne to have weapons. And that, of course, that means all the bad guys are going to leave their guns at the door, right? Yeah. And we all know what a fallacy that is. I know, I know last year this bill was brought forward and we had uh, pro-Second Amendment senators and representatives that said, you know, we would like to see the gun-free zone repealed because we're down there on the floor speaking. We don't know who's in that gallery. And, and, and we know that a gun-free zone is not going to stop a bad guy. So we wouldn't mind it if there were some good guys up there with guns. So, unfortunately, the bill was killed last year. It was sent to the Appropriations Committee by the Speaker, by Speaker Somers. That's where he sends bills to die. And um, it was gutted and, and didn't make it to the floor from from that committee. But it was coming back this year. Representative Haroldson from Wheatland yep. is going to re uh, enter. And he has,
0: he has a co-sponsor too. i I've heard.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> Would you care to tell us who any of those are?
0: You're talking to
1: them. I thought maybe I was. Yeah.
0: So— I concealed carry often. Mm-hmm. I open carry sometimes. Mm-hmm. You saw tonight, for example, I'm kind of doing both. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that if somebody walks into a place planning to do harm mm-hmm. and looks around and thinks, ah, there might be some people carrying in here. <laughs> yeah. And then he sees two or three of us who maybe aren't really that sneaky. hmm okay, this is not a soft target. Mm-hmm. It's a same thing if, if you walk into a place and there are armed policemen standing there mm-hmm. and you're thinking about going in there and pulling something off, you're going to look in and say, oh, I'm going to find an easier target. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that simply open carrying is a preventative measure. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to share this too. Uh, back when Columbine happened, mm-hmm. I was less than a mile away, probably eight, ten blocks away. And I was working in someone's home as a cabinet maker and a remodeler. And the couple that I was working for had two kids at Columbine.
1: Mm.
0: And I heard what was going on and I saw the whole situation and it was pretty distressing to me. And then it wasn't too much Farther down the road, uh, New Life Church in Colorado Springs, somebody came up to the front door with a firearm and opened fire as they came through the door to walk into the door of the church and do as much harm as they could. It happened that a female off-duty police officer was there in the church with a firearm, concealed carrying, and put that person down almost immediately as they entered the building. Mm Mm-hmm. These happened in fairly close succession, and in my own mind, because i have military background, I've been trained with firearms and and the proper use of them. I kind of made myself a promise: if there's ever anything I can do about it, I'm never going to let that happen where mm-hmm. I'm at. I carry all the time. I don't always have it on my person because of the, the the job that I do, but there's there's something within reach. Mm-hmm. It is an obligation. It's a responsibility to those of us who care about people. Mm -hmm. Every one of these mass shootings that you've seen, they were stopped by a good guy with a gun.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: And the amount of time it takes a good guy with a gun to get there is entirely it it means everything. So anyway, I I'll get off my soapbox for a minute cuz you're the guest. <laughs> but I but I wanted to kind of share that idea because some people think that it, that you carry a weapon or you brandish a weapon simply to try to make a statement or something. No. If someone comes into a place and wants to do harm, I want them to know it's not going to be easy. Yes. They may take me out first, that's fine, but um, like where we were tonight, there would have been several answers. Oh, yeah, so, there would have been plenty yeah. of answers. So let's let's set that aside, and let's talk about red flag laws. Okay. Now, uh, Mark Jennings sponsored at least one red flag.
1: Anti-red, stop red flag. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes.
0: Um, and I was co-sponsored on that. We're going to bring those again. hmm What would make it different this time? Than a year ago, why why do we keep bringing these bills when they just keep getting beaten? Why don't we just give up?
1: Yeah, good question. So 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 your listeners know, you know, red flag laws are laws that basically deprive people of not only their Second Amendment rights but their rights to due process. And it's where, let's say, your neighbor has a dispute with you and says, well, you know, Ken Ken and I had an argument over a boundary fence and. You know, I think Ken's got guns. I'll go to the sheriff, I'll tell him that, that I'm scared of Ken. And the, the, the sheriff would try to confiscate your weapons without you having due process, without you having an opportunity, first, without you having committed a crime, and second, without you having an opportunity even to defend yourself in court, to go in front of a judge and, and, and dispute any charges. That's what a red flag law is. The Biden administration, through that same Bipartisan Safers Communities Act that I keep mentioning, uh, which passed last summer in 2022 by the Pelosi House and Schumer Senate, with support from Rhino Republicans in the Senate. <laughs> that legislation had lots of money in it for red flag laws. Lots of money, millions upon millions of dollars. Now, no no jurisdiction in Wyoming has taken that. I would argue because of our SEPA. Our Second Amendment Protection Act makes it a crime. For, fed, for public officials to participate in unconstitutional gun control. However, conservatives in the legislature, like Mark Jennings and yourself and others, and, and our organization, we see the need to always try to strengthen and improve laws. And, and what we thought we, we should do last session was, was have a law that made very, very specifically said we won't take red flag money because Biden made so much available. And again, nobody, no, no Wyoming jurisdiction has taken it. I don't know that they will because of SEPA, but you don't know what it's going to look like five years from now, six years from now, seven years from now. So you, you be proactive and you pass good legislation now. Well, similar to the gun-free zones bill, so Speaker Somers sent Representative Jennings' bill to the Appropriations Committee to die, and you ask why we bring it back. Okay, so it's coming back this year. Uh, no Representative Jennings is bringing it back. It's going to be called the Protect Constitutional Rights Act this year uh, because red flag has become such a uh, polarizing term. But you ha- you know you bring it back for a lot of reasons, Ken. You bring it back because it's the right thing to do. You bring it back because you should always be trying to improve existing legislation. You bring it back because you want people to have to vote and so that the people of Wyoming see how they, they will vote on an issue like this. Uh, I hope that this year we get this thing to get a floor vote because it's really regrettable that he killed it in appropriations last year, that the People's House did not hear this bill on the floor. I think it should get to the floor, and let's let our legislators debate the merits of this. I mean, I want to see somebody stand up and say no to this because that means they want to leave the door open to take Biden's red flag money. I mean, who in their right mind would not want to stop this? I mean, we've got states in the South that have stopped this. We've got—and Wyoming can't stop this? Um, so, you know, and, we're, and, and the law with the—we have great attorneys. You know, we sue Biden all the time, and we're in court, and we're in the Supreme Court. And this, this, this law that Representative Jennings will propose with this bill has been carefully worked over with the help of our attorneys so that we leave law enforcement in Wyoming— the tools to do the things they're already doing, like take guns away from people who have mental problems. You know, we're not, we're not trying to protect people who are brandished in a fire in the street, who are, who are mentally ill. All the things that, that can be done under prior and existing Wyoming law will still be able to be done. We're just trying to stop pe- the Biden administration from sending money here to trample on people's rights to due process. A classic red flag. You mentioned in that that answer,
0: it, it may be fine now, but what about five or ten years down the road? And you and I were trying to be proactive this year regarding the University of Wyoming. And I've got to tell you that I caught hell over that. I within, I didn't even know how they knew what we were working on, but the... The leadership of the University of Wyoming, from Ed Seidel on down, came down and were on site within hours, and saying, "You've got to back off for this." Would you explain to our audience a little bit about what happened there and what our concerns were?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the the University of Wyoming decided to institute a firearms research center, and it would be I, I would equate it or think it's analogous to the uh, petroleum and Fossil Fuel Research Center at the University of Wyoming. Uh, And the first question that would pop in your mind, I think if you're a Wyoming citizen, is is how will today's universities, which tend to lean left, handle these types of issues? And someone had the foresight with the Petroleum and Oil and Gas Institute to establish an oversight board. And it was made up of people appointed by the governor, I think the uh, maybe Senate president, Speaker of the House, uh, to form a board to oversee that institute to ensure that it was work not doing things contrary to the best interest of the state of Wyoming. And to me, that's perfectly reasonable because these, these facilities run with taxpayers' money.
0: Yeah. And if if they're honest and they're doing what they say they do, why would you object? Exactly. In fact, you might want to encourage that because now you have another group out there standing aside saying, hey, these guys are legit. They're, they're working well. Yes. But when they brought this Firearms Institute in, man, the, the idea of oversight was yes. reprehensible.
1: You and I worked together on a bill to... Put a, It was very similar to the bo- to the board that oversees Oil and Gas Institute. We thought it was a pretty reasonable idea, but you would have thought that we were trying to burn down the university. Yeah. The, the reaction of the university was, I would call it extreme. Even
0: even the director of that board now, which is a good guy, he's a good gun guy, and he came to me and said, "Please don't do this." Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, I, I nothing against you. I think you're doing a good job. I, I think you'll be great. But what happens when you're done and the next person comes in?
1: Exactly. Exactly, Ken. That, that's the part that I think a lot of people missed. They were like, well, Professor so-and-so is a good guy. Yeah, and he probably is. But this thing may be here for the next 100 years. What happens five years from now, six years from now, seven years from now? And... I mean, you have to be living under a rock not to understand that American universities have taken a hard turn to the left in, in the recent years. What if we end up with an anti-Second Amendment research institute at the University of Wyoming? I mean, that's happened to research institutes in other states that have been established at, at state land-grant universities. Um, And I personally have some experience working with universities in my prior job. And as a wildlife biologist, I administered contracts with universities for decades. And I watched universities take a hard turn to the left in the sciences. I saw it personally in the course of my first career. So I thought it was perfectly sensible to establish oversight. The Oil and Gas Institute had been a precedent. It's not like we were doing something that had never been done before. But we, we received tremendous pushback on that. And that should tell people that maybe they need to be watching what's going on uh, with their university that's using their money, taxpayers' money.
0: What do you think about a world-class shooting range here in Wyoming? Have you heard anything about that process?
1: Yes, I have. Uh, I I know the legislature appropriated money for that. Um, You know, we didn't fight for or against that bill because there's I'd say if you polled our membership, many would say that's not the role of government. Uh, I'm not sure how I would have voted if I were in the legislature, whether or not I would have voted for that bill. So we didn't take a position on it, but it did pass. The the Wyoming legislature did appropriate, I believe, $10 million of state money. And there's seven municipalities around the state vying for this facility, to bring it to their town. Now, I mean, it's, it's, it's happened. It's already passed. So that's kind of in the past. Uh, now that it's going to happen, we, we've been asked by different municipalities to weigh in and we're, we're not going to get involved in like which town gets it. Because <laughs> uh, obviously there's going to be sit, one that's really happy and six that are not happy. Um, once the, the the process has worked out and, and we, we the people of Wyoming decide where this goes, whether it's Sheridan or Cody or Fremont County or Rock Springs, uh, those are four of the places vying for it. Is Warland vying for it?
0: I I am not certain. I haven't caught up on the, the last of the committee yeah, meetings. But there those are are at least I know
1: Sheridan, Cody, Fremont County, and Rock Springs are vying for it. And there's three others, maybe Cheyenne or Laramie. But anyway, in any any event, Lincoln, once it's, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> once it finds a home. And 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 goes forward. I'm sure that that it we will be uh, supportive of it. Again, I'm not the way it got the way we got there with government involvement is is, is a question that's up in the air. But but it's going to happen.
0: Well, I'd like to address that a little bit because I did vote for the 10 million, mm-hmm. one of the hardest votes that I ever made, and Mark Jennings did as well. And. In no way should this be a government project mm-hmm. in my mind. What made the difference to me was the understanding that the monies that had been collected, and this was from uh, the, the motel tax. Mm-hmm. What, what is it called? Anyway. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. We, we had more money than we knew what to do with. They were going to spend it on something. Something. And so several of us conservatives got together and we kind of choked on this a little bit and said, you know, if we can divert that some of that money into something that might be worthwhile and mm-hmm. something that at least is ours, then at least it's not going to be spent on drag queen shows or <laughs> something like that, you know. So it was there. But I also remember saying from the House floor that I would support this so long as this exploratory commission, this board that was looking into it, one of their primary goals would be to go out and to find private businesses that would support and fund this and take it over and then it not be a government entity. So in my own mind, I'm saying, okay, well, you can look at it as a a form of economic development, which it could be. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of issues with economic development and the government, but that's neither here nor there. But I thought if they would actually legitimately go out and try to find sponsors like Weatherby or or others that would actually come and and pick this up and then take the ball and run with it, and all we're doing is kicking it off or getting it started, I would divert $10 $10 million to that. And $10 million on the Wyoming state budget is spit in the wind. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. It's a lot to you and me. Mm -hmm. But – my deal was, if you want my vote, then you've got to go out and you've got to seek private funding. And that the board made it pretty clear in pretty short order that they wanted to maintain control of this with the state government, that they were not really interested in ceding control to private enterprise. And therefore, when this does come up again, I will be a no.
1: So you may have to educate me a little bit. So did... Do- is is there more that has to be done by the legislature in the next session to take this to the next step
0: yeah I, my understanding and i it's been most of a year now but my understanding was the 10 million was basically to fund the study and to figure out and recommend a location for this to be to, to take place and that then there would be another draw to try to build the thing or
1: or to fund it from there okay uh, so you're saying that if they come back and they're still going to do this with mostly government money you'll vote against it yes. unless they figured out a way to get it done with private yeah. funds yeah if they can hand
0: right. it over to some private folks Entities. who are willing to fund that yeah so be it i think it it could be a wonderful thing for Wyoming i'd enjoy it myself yeah but it is not within the purview of good governance
1: and i you know i tend to agree philosophically i don't like it when the government picks winners and losers uh, I don't like it, for For example, I don't like it when the government picks one industry or one profession and says we're going to subsidize you in favor of another.
0: Or one group of people. Or one group of like, people. Like with the property tax, there were a lot of heartstrings being plucked saying we have to take care of our elderly who are on fixed incomes. Yeah, they're deserving. There's a bill out there right now that says we're going to, if if you're, been paying property taxes for 30 years and you're over age 65 then you're going to qualify for a a major exemption. What is this about the age 65? I can understand if you've been paying property taxes for 30 years you paid your dues okay cut it off but what if I'm only 50?
1: Right yeah I don't like things like that either. No no it's Uh, I think it's a form of socialism. It is. Um, It's redistribution. Yeah and I don't like anything that, that se- segregates us by age or sex or, uh, or anything like that. I think, you, I think we need to give across-the-board property tax relief to everybody. And um, it's kind of the same way with industries and business. I don't think we ought to be subsidizing one in favor of another. Um, you know, that's why—and we're getting way off the Second Amendment issue here, <laughs> but I'll, I'll t- you know, take my GOA hat off for a minute and set it over here. I don't, I don't favor film, you know, in, uh, film incentives for Hollywood. Uh, why, why should Hollywood get a film incentive to come to Wyoming and film movies? Uh, Especially wh- looking at the filth
0: that Hollywood puts out. Right.
1: In- and I'm glad we've not done that. And I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've just had this conversation the other day about Longmire being filmed in New Mexico. And I'm glad it was filmed in New Mexico because Wyoming wouldn't give them a film, film incentive. And I love Craig Johnson. I love i read his books. And I, and I'm, you know, but, but no industry deserves a film, a film incentive or no industry or business deserves a leg up over another. They also threw
0: out C.J. Box, yeah. and some of his stories were actually based on some of the adventures that my grandfather had as an early game warden mm-hmm. here in Wyoming, and I would love to see films made of that, but like most of these things, if it's worth doing, somebody would be willing in the private sector to front that, and if it isn't, it's a little bit like some municipal golf courses. Mm-hmm. They end up just being a burden on a great number of the, of the taxpayers who
1: don't ever go out and play. Yeah, you know, and, and I'll tell you this, Ken, sometimes Republicans are guilty of this. We're, Republicans will be fiscally conservative or are in favor of opposed to these kind of things until they get in control. And then they'll be some of the worst to want to spend money or throw money. At one specific thing over another. And that's a slippery slope. If you give a film incentive to business A, what about business B? What about business C? Where does it stop? Yeah. And people in in this country, even Democrats across the board, there's a lot of concern with corruption and things in politics. That leads to that. I mean, you know, imagine the behind-the-scenes deals and uh, – dark room deals to get favoritism for this industry or that industry or this business or that business. It's it's just not it's just something government shouldn't be involved in. The government should not pick winners and losers.
0: There's something else that the government shouldn't be doing and we're kind of waxed philosophical here and we yeah. left the 2A things but that's fine. The Wyoming caucus loves to tout their conservatism by saying we have saved $27 billion. Right. Now, I agree that it is wise to have a certain amount set aside, a reserve set aside so that as the boom and bust cycle comes a little bit, it kind of levels it out. But i also going to suggest this. First of all, that $27 billion is money that was extracted from the, the public sector. And so it's not doing what the normal economy would do and it's given I don't believe it's the role of government to hoard billions of dollars Mm -hmm. and then while they're hoarding those billions of dollars turn around and even entertain the idea of tax increases which we did all through this interim Uh, property taxes we couldn't afford to give money back all of those things thrown in there but there's one thing that I've never heard anybody else point out and I'd like to point that out about a third of our, of our income comes off of earnings from that $27 billion. And so what effectively happens is we mask just how big and how much spending we're doing by those earnings off of that interest. If the taxpayers had to regularly pay the full price of everything that we're doing, the resounding cry would be, we're doing too much. Mm-hmm. We need to cut back. Mm-hmm. I am not at all enamored with the idea that Wyoming's sitting on $27 billion. Mm-hmm. That's well, I,
1: that's insane. I see your point. And, and as a property owner, I've watched my own property taxes go up about 60% in two years. If they go up at the... At, the average rate again next year that'll be ninety percent in three years. That'll be almost doubling in three years, and and it it bothers me. You know, I don't mind to pay my my share. I don't mind to pay my part. But uh, I I look at the way property taxes have gone up, and the legislature, the majority in the legislature. I know some of you have tried, but the majority has refused to address that. I believe that's intentional that they've refused to address it because I believe that they uh, there there are or a large number of moderates and liberals in the Wyoming legislature and the Republican Party that want to continue to spend at such high rates that they have to have that revenue. That's that's what's scary. That's what's scary. Yeah,
0: we, we know that over the last several years, there was a dip during COVID, but back in uh, 2015, 2016, we had tremendous revenues. We have had over the last couple of years, Way better than expected revenues. Mm-hmm. We're living high on the hog,
1: and a lot of that's coming from oil and gas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And we know that eventually that's going to taper off. Yeah, Th- that's gonna, those those because well, Biden's trying to destroy yeah. those
1: industries. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's why it's going to taper off. Yeah,
0: right? yeah. Those things are going to tank, and we have got ourselves into the idea that it's it's a lifestyle. It's like it's like a family who does very well for a while and then one of the two breadwinners suddenly is taken ill and can't work anymore. And you're used to a particular lifestyle and you got to figure out what are you going to do next. Yeah. We are on an unsustainable course.
1: Yeah, we are, yeah.
0: And it's not that we don't have enough revenue, but that's all you hear about when you're in the legislature is how can we generate more revenue. Yeah. I, I'm i convinced that thirty one of the Republicans in the state House don't represent the people. They represent the agencies, yes, that come to them.
1: I agree with you, Ken. And I thought you were going to say, I'm convinced that a large number of Wyoming legislators want a state income tax because yeah. I believe that at the rate we're going, they, they do. that, as we can we've continued to grow government in this state and grow spending, and so many of these programs will never be cut can't be cut because people like to get this money that we'll get to the point where there will be cries for a state income tax to sustain it and I don't think and, and I think that's almost the intent of some of this it's
0: is, it's already there and and behind the scenes you wouldn't see it out in the public, yeah, but it, it it's already there. Wyoming taxpayers have been called freeloaders. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say we don't pay our fair share in taxes, mm-hmm. all this other bunk. Mm-hmm. And it it is a dangerous thing. And I've said many times, and I've heard a lot of other people picking it up, not that I'm the only one that's ever said it, but Wyoming doesn't have a revenue problem. We've got a spending problem.
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. We've only got 587,000, whatever the number of people we are, we're a mineral-rich state. Uh, we have tourism. We have so much going for us. Uh, but we spend per capita so much more than, yeah. than, I guess, any other state except maybe Alaska per capita, per, per, per person. Um, and I'm afraid it's going to push us towards an income tax. That's you know, One of the reasons, I mean, I, 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 I love Wyoming. I first came here when I was 18 and uh, you know, chose to retire here and stay for the rest of my life. And I, I like that there's not an income tax <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not <laughs> yeah. looking forward to, to the income tax they're driving us towards. Uh, I also don't like the property tax situation. I don't like the out-of-control spending. And I see a lot of my friends and neighbors that are having real problems, though, with this, Ken. You know, there's people out there that I know and you probably know that that this property tax thing has become a burden. It is, and you you look down the road and you look at Teton
0: County. Now, I lived in Teton County back in the 60s. In fact, I went to a a committee meeting and stayed at the Snow King Resort. And my room at the resort was less than 50 yards away from where our trailer house used to sit back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was kind of an uncanny feeling. But just to see what has happened there Mm -hmm. and know that that's what's coming to Sheridan County and Mm -hmm. some of the other places around the state. Boy, you better hope
1: not. I mean, Jackson has become so It's insane. out of, you know, people can't afford to live there. I, yeah. I understand that average folks are having to double up in apartments and service industry workers. Yeah. They, I, they can't afford to live in Jackson. Uh, so.
0: I talked to, I, I think, three or four different wait staff while I was there, you know, go mm-hmm. and sit down and have a meal or something. And. Only one of them actually lived in Jackson, and the only reason he was was he was living in his grandfather's house mm-hmm. that had been handed down through the yeah. family. Um, it's, it's a scary thing. Well, we, we're about out of time, Mark, and I really appreciate what you've given us, but is there anything in your mind
1: that we have overlooked? Well, you know, the only thing I'd say in closing is to your listeners, come down to Cheyenne. It's only a 20-day session. starts the 12th of February, uh, so it goes for four weeks four or five days, you know, Monday through Friday. And come down and actually watch what your legislators do because you, you're going to see a lot of liberals and moderates claiming to be conservative this year because of the primary coming up. Um, but come and watch re- watch what they do, understand the bills, and I think you'll see there's a clear divide in that legislature between true conservatives, people who are really looking out for the Wyoming people, uh, fiscal conservatism and rights and liberties, and then other people who I would characterize as as really they're Republicans, but they're 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 moderates or liberals. Um, it's a supermajority of Republicans, but there's a divide in that legislature that's as clear as a divide anywhere in America. So, hope folks will come down and watch. We're going to fight for some gun bills. I know there's going to be f- people bringing forward property tax bills, parental rights bills. Come and watch what they actually do, not what they say. I wholeheartedly
0: agree. If, if you've never been down there, just sit up there and watch the proceedings and watch the debates. The, the other thing that is interesting phenomenon is I've been on there in times when there were very few people up in the balcony and the debate goes a particular direction.
1: <laughs> are you saying that moderates and liberals change yep. their rhetoric when people are watching? They
0: absolutely do. <laughs> it is striking when that place is full of people, like the first couple of days of session, man the the, the conservatism expressed was extraordinary. Oh, yeah. And on days when the weather was bad and people couldn't be there, <laughs> The the
1: purple turned very blue. Yeah, yeah. You know, sunlight's the best disinfectant, they say. Yep. Very few Wyoming legislators are willing to be openly liberal. Yeah. Because of the, the, the well, electorate. they
0: wouldn't be a legislator if they were
1: right. The electorate here is the, arguably the most conservative electorate in America. But our legislature is very purple. It's very mm-hmm. you said blue earlier, I you know, i I want to be optimist and say purple. But it's because they. Well,
0: you've been in places where they really are. Oh, I've been. Yeah, you know? there are
1: some really nasty blue ones. There's like Colorado that borders us, but you know, you know that they they don't they like to hide what they do, and they do a good job of hiding what they do with with the way they they kill bills in committees or don't bring bills to the floor. So just come watch them, and and watch, and and you'll know who the real conservatives are if you'll do that. And and then we got a primary coming up. That's the next thing people need to be getting ready for.
0: Yes. And regarding the primary, in the past, we have gotten along fairly well because Wyoming's been pretty wealthy. And we've gotten along pretty well with just kind of letting things go. We've kind of lucked out, I guess you would say, even though the state government has grown exponentially. But things are about to change, in my view. I'm the glass half empty kind of guy at this point. Uh, my my dad used to call it. I'm an opto defeatist. <laughs> He's, you know, I've read the book. I know how it all ends, but it's going to get really ugly in the in the meantime. But it is it is eye opening to go down there and and just see where we're at. And once you've had your eyes open, if you care anything at all about your children, your grandchildren, and you want them to live and enjoy the lifestyle that we have come to love and enjoy that. Was handed down to us. Mm -hmm. Folks, you got to get involved. The days of just simply voting for somebody because you recognize their name or they've got an R after their name and you go on about your life, those are done.
1: Absolutely. And you know, I like to say that people that don't participate in politics depend on someone else to make all the decisions for them. So you're right, our kids, if we want kids to live in a free country where there's rights and liberties and opportunity, we we've got a lot of work to do because we're we're under assault and and throughout America and and here in Wyoming the Wyoming Wyoming's better than a lot of states but there's a concerted effort to make it like Colorado yeah. or California. <laughs>